Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Well, I was thinking about a lot of dumb ideas that are going on in the world, and and I started to number them. So I'm going to kind of start from dumb idea number five, and by the way, there's also one, two, three, and four, some of which I've already talked about, but now I've decided to number them. So dumb idea number five, rolling back fuel economy standards. Now, one simple reason why rolling back these fuel economy standards, also called corporate average fuel economy or CAFE, is a dumb idea. Um, I mean, just very simply, according to the Union of Concerned Scientists, and these are objective scientists, yeah, they're liberal, but they're pretty objective, they're scientists. The new CAFE regulations, the one that were put in place three or four years ago that the automakers are trying to implement now, the new regulations will save consumers $140 billion in 2030. And, and basically, with cars with these new fuel economy standards, more miles per gallon, they, the car owners would save over $8,000 on a new vehicle in fuel savings after paying a little bit more for the fuel-efficient technology. So basically, you put in a more efficient engine, you make the car more aerodynamic, the car costs a little bit more, but you save a lot of money on gasoline. And by the way, not even going to kind of get into the, the magnitude of the greenhouse gas savings that you get, but by the way, cars use one quarter of the world's oil. And you're looking at the data. For the first time in more than 40 years, the largest source of greenhouse gas pollution in the U.S. isn't electricity production, but it's transportation. Cars, trucks, planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, and shipping. I was thinking about a John Candy movie. But anyway, why? Well... We've done a pretty good job of reducing emissions from our electricity production industry. It's solar and wind. That's working great. Now we've got to try and start to do that with transportation. I kind of just took a look at this from a high level. And I can come up with five ways to improve vehicle fuel economy. And not just with the corporate average fuel economy standards, but five other ways. One, which which automakers are doing, is making the vehicles lighter. And the reason is, the amount of energy it takes to get a vehicle moving is proportional to the mass of the vehicle. Now, for those of you who might remember a little bit of high school physics, the energy to get something moving is equal to one-half the mass, or basically the weight of the vehicle, times the square of the velocity. So if you reduce the mass by 25% of the vehicle, you reduce the amount of energy that goes into getting that vehicle up to speed by 25%. Another way to make vehicles more fuel efficient is to make the engines themselves more efficient. You get more energy produced per gallon of gas. Turbochargers, higher compression engines, less friction in the drivetrain, transmissions, automatic transmissions that have a lockup when you're going at a steady state, or automatic transmissions with a lot of speeds. Heck, I remember when I was a kid, cars had two and three speed automatic transmissions. Now the standard is seven or eight or nine speeds in those automatic transmissions. It's amazing. And that's really helped in terms of smoothing out the delivery of power to the wheels. Okay, another way to make uh, cars more efficient, and, and this is happening, is making vehicles more aerodynamic, less wind resistance. Now, if when you're driving at a high speed or a medium speed, the car's already sped up. The energy to move the car really is, is dissipated because of the wind resistance of the car, the aerodynamic. So you see cars are much more aerodynamic. Even little things like spoilers and more efficient windows and mirrors and things like that make a big, big difference. So those are the kind of the things that go into corporate average fuel economy. And now there's a couple of other things that, that you can do. And, and this is one that, that is happening with electric vehicles, is you capture the energy that goes to speed up the car 
in braking. So you have this thing called regenerative braking. So it works great for electric vehicles because when you put your foot on the brake, you're not squeezing the brake pads against the rotors. What you're actually doing is you're charging up the battery. You've got a generator in the car that's charging up the battery, and that generator puts a a load of resistance on, on the electric engine, and it slows the car down. Only when you really have to stop short do the actual brakes grab. So regenerative braking works really well, but kind of only really for electric vehicles. Now, the last thing you can do, which isn't something that the car companies are really doing, is you try and make the driver more efficient. Better controls. I mean, obviously, cruise control can help with this a little bit. <laughs> but one big one that I think is going to really hit us is driverless vehicles. So you know, you're going to have a driverless vehicle that's not going to be speeding up and slowing down really fast. It's going to run a lot more efficiently. So that'll be kind of cool. All right. So the efforts to roll back the fuel economy standards. Now, who wants to do this? Well, there was a really good New York Times article in December. And the title of the article is The Oil Industry's Covert Campaign to Rewrite American Car Emissions Rules. That's right. No surprise. The oil industry pushed the Trump administration to roll back fuel economy standards. Now, most states want to keep these regulations, especially in California. I think there's another dozen states in addition to California that want really efficient cars. Automakers, ironically, they used to fight this, but they basically are right. We're already doing everything we have to do to meet the standards in 2025. We're going to do it. We've made the investments. We want to keep doing it. It's good. And it also helps people buy new cars because they want something more efficient. So almost all the automakers wanted to do it. The customers like higher fuel economy. And, you know, this is very important to the world's economy and to the world. Everybody who's breathing air on our planet, these corporate average fuel economy or cafe goals are really critical to reducing global warming. So what's the background? Why why do we have these fuel economy standards? And, and then we might kind of understand how they've evolved over the past you know, 30 years or so. So in the early 70s, we started to install emissions reduction equipment in cars. I remember this. The cars, they kind of capped the horsepower. They were kind of clunky. You still had these V8 engines in there, but it was no better than the straight six. And so the cars, they reduced the power of the cars. The cars were starved for power. They put a lot of emissions controls, things on there, and they, they really hadn't figured out how to make the engines that much more efficient. The early in the mid to the late 70s, kind of a low point for vehicle performance. Then the automakers started to figure out ways to do this. They made a lot of investments in more efficient engines and more powerful engines. So the efficiency increased, <laughs> and there's a lot of innovations in the vehicles. They looked at this from every perspective, how to increase the gas mileage. So we end up right now with vehicles that are much more fuel efficient, much more powerful, you know, realistically much cheaper than what we had 20 or 30 years ago. And it's all because of these corporate average fuel economy rules. Now, the standards started in 1975, and they were basically a reaction to the 1973 oil embargo, when basically, I remember, I was in high school, you couldn't even get gasoline. You had to wait online every other day. So basically what happened is these CAFE standards set the average new vehicle fuel economy that a manufacturer's whole fleet had to achieve. It was weighted by sales. And this CAFE program went into effect for new passenger cars, not trucks yet, passenger cars, starting with model year 1978. And the goal overall was roughly to double the average fuel economy of the new car fleet. So in in 1978, the target was 27.5 miles per gallon. They put standards in place for light trucks, like pickups and minivans, SUVs, even though we didn't call it SUVs, beginning in the model year 1978 also. But the standards were a little bit lower. They were 22.2 miles per gallon for model year uh, 2007. So they would 
they kind of basically said, you got almost 10 more years to put these fuel economy standards in place for light trucks. Then in 2007, there was something called the Energy Independence and Security Act. So in this act, they raised the fuel economy standards of all cars, light trucks, and SUVs to a combined average of at least 35 miles per gallon by 2020. So that's pretty good. So the automakers a dozen years ago said, all right, we're going to crank it up even more. And they have a lot of time to plan for this. It's not like you got to do it tomorrow. They have time to figure out how to do new engines and, and build, make their cars more fuel efficient, substitute aluminum for steel and, and plastic for steel. So that was good. And then in 2011, President Obama announced an agreement with 13 large automakers, so they kind of got all the automakers in the world together, to increase the fuel economy to 54.5 miles per gallon for cars and light-duty trucks by model year 2025. Heck, that's like, you know, six years away. That's really fantastic. And you see, it's like more than doubled. So the automakers included Ford, GM, Chrysler, BMW, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Rover, Kia, Mazda, every, you know, kind of Mitsubishi, Nissan, Toyota, and Volvo. They accounted for 90% of all the vehicles sold in the United States. Eh, some of the companies like you know, Rolls-Royce and Porsche kind of might have opted out because they have higher performance cars and they don't mind. You know, their customers just want high performance. They don't really give a hoot about mileage. But it really made a difference. Now, interestingly, the United Auto Workers also supported this and the state of California, plus another dozen states because they all wanted to do this. So the automakers kind of, you know, put their heads together, went to work, and really worked on meeting these new requirements. So 2011, this thing went into effect. And then, you know, so 2025, six years from now, the automakers are ready to go. They did take a long time to do the planning for these vehicles. So we're in pretty good shape. All right, so here's what happened with the Trump administration. In early August 2018, the EPA and the Department of Transportation issued a proposed ruling that would roll back the goals that were set under by President Obama in 2011 and 2012. So basically what they wanted to do is they wanted to freeze the fuel economy goals to the 2021 target of 37 miles per gallon. Kind of that the heck with doing this thing of you know, 54 and a half miles per gallon. Let's just freeze it at 37. They also wanted to halt requirements on the production of hybrid and electric cars. They also wanted to remove the tax credits for electric vehicles, so take away the incentives for EVs. And they also wanted to eliminate the legal waiver that allows states like California to set more stringent standards. You know, thinking back 40, 50 years ago, California said, we got all this smog problem. We got a lot of cars. We can't have the cars that are made for everybody else here because we're in this basin and it just fills up with smog. So California said cars that are sold in California and registered in California have to have more efficient fuel economy standards, fewer emissions. It worked really well. All right. So, you know, now what happened is that the EPA, it's it's called the Environmental Protection Agency, although sometimes people question them, that middle protection term, and the Secretary of Transportation, they issued a joint statement saying that the rule change was needed because the current rules would impose significant costs on American consumers and eliminate jobs. Now, 
The automakers didn't agree with this, but they're basically saying that the new rules would give consumers greater access to safer, more affordable vehicles. And so they are, they are right about the safer part, because if you don't really care about fuel economy, you can make a really big vehicle. And bigger vehicles are typically heavier, and they're safer in crash. Now, as far as more affordable, that's really questionable. They're saying more affordable because they wouldn't need slightly more expensive engines to be more efficient or other things. But then again, they're going to use more gas. So, you know, it's as, as the other research has shown, they might be a little bit cheaper to buy, but they're going to be more expensive to operate. All right. And then the last term was while continuing to protect the environment. Well, they're, they're not improving the environment. They're just kind of stabilizing it. We've got big problems. All right. So what happened is California and 18 other states announced that should this new rule be enacted, they'd sue the government to reject the rules. And it's, you know, it's warfare between Washington, D.C., the EPA, and the Transportation Department, and 18 other states, 19 states with California. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. The new ruling that the EPA and the, the Transportation Administration created is called the Safe, Safer Affordable Fuel Efficient Vehicle Rule. Right? It is safer, slightly. It's more affordable uh, in first cost. So that's true. And they wanted to replace those standards with weaker standards. All right. So how did this all happen? Like, oh, boy, this is bad. We're kind of backpedaling. And we have this, this global warming issue. Why are we doing this? It's just like, what, why? The Environmental Protection Agency should improve standards. Well, here's what happened. Marathon Petroleum, the country's largest refiner, worked with the whole oil industry and, and the conservative COG network to run a stealth campaign to roll back these car emission standards. So they did this in Congress. They did this on Facebook and other Internet sites. And they did it in state houses all around the country. They also teamed up with something called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is like a policy group. And basically what ALEC does, and they've been fighting the solar industry since they started, they create model legislation that they try and promote in different states. And obviously ALEC's model legislation is being generated by the Koch brothers, Marathon Petroleum. It's never favorable to to renewables, and, and it's not favorable to more efficient vehicles. So they also ran a separate campaign on Facebook book. And it was run by a secretive oil industry lobbying group that was represented by Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, Phillips 66, and all the other oil giants. And they were urging people on this Facebook campaign to write their regulators, to write their legislators to support this rollback. So basically, if this Trump plan is finalized, it would increase house gas, increase greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S., by more than the amount that many mid-sized countries put out in a year. And it would reverse all the efforts that have been made over the past 30 years. And, you know, just kind of like just throw sand in the face of the rest of the world who's trying to fight climate change. Now, California, which under federal law has a unique authority to write its own clean air rules and mandate more zero emission vehicles. That's a federal law. So California has pledged to stick to the stricter standards together with, you know, 13, 18 other states that that are going to follow this leads. So this is kind of a real big problem because now the automakers are going to have to make two completely different sets of cars. Some that are going to be, you you might get, you know, a Ford F-150 pickup truck that's going to have lousy mileage if you buy it in Michigan, and it's going to have better mileage if you buy it in California. 
Now, Ford actually did a really smart thing. They started to substitute the steel beds of the vehicles with aluminum. Aluminum's cheaper. Aluminum's more expensive, but it's a heck of a lot lighter. So the Ford F-150 is a really light pickup. It's still just as strong. A little bit more money because aluminum is more expensive than steel. Now, it's basically saying to Ford, hey, you know, you go back to the crummy old steel bodies and they're heavier. Who cares? But now Ford's got to make two different truck bodies and just for their most popular vehicle, the, the Ford F-150, which I think is the most popular vehicle in the country. So this is the kind of stuff that's happening. This is a quote from Senator Tom Carper of Delaware. He's the top Democrat on the Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee. And he basically said it appears as if the oil interests are cynically trying to generate support in Congress for the weakest possible standards. Yeah, totally makes sense. And he's saying that they're going to try and ensure that cars and SUVs have to use even more oil. Obviously, gas comes from oil. So they're kind of locking our whole country in by getting these cars less efficient to using more oil. Makes great sense if you're Marathon Petroleum and Exxon and Mobil and Chevron and Phillips. But it's terrible from everybody's perspective. So if this attempt is successful, Carper goes on to say, the outcome will be a blow to the auto industry. The auto industry doesn't want it. It's going to be bad for consumers, and it's going to be bad for our environment. So what's this group? There's another group. We talked about the American Legislative Exchange Council. But the, the all the oil companies have teamed together on something called the American Fuels and Petroleum Manufacturers Association. That's the trade group that's kind of pushing this. Now, there's a new House bill. It's bill number 1593. And it's remarkable in terms of politics. It's only got eight words. The words are to repeal the corporate average fuel economy standards. Once again, follow the money. The Koch brothers and Koch Industries is pushing this. The Americans for Prosperity, another Koch-funded group, is promoting this bill. And they're basically saying this is a step in the right direction to protect consumers and workers against government mandates that would limit choice. You know, not really. What it's really doing is it's, it's lining their pockets and locking the country into less efficient vehicles. So Marathon Petroleum has been working with members of this ALEC to build support for this Trump fuel efficiency rollback in state legislatures all around the country. They're denouncing California's ability to write their own rules for cars. And basically what's going to happen, and we talked about this, 35% of the, the nation's automobile sales right now follow California's stricter rules. If this changes, that the automakers basically have to figure out what to do. They're going to have to split it. It's kind of depressing also because you've got the Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. She's speaking at the American Legislative Exchange Council annual convention, you know, sponsored by Marathon Petroleum, and basically saying the Transportation Department's determined to cut government relations. You know, you kind of look back and, and you know, she's good for transportation, but she's a former fellow at the Heritage Foundation, which has received Koch funding, Koch Brothers funding, and has long opposed these fuel economy rules. Obviously, the oil companies hate these things, and they hate electric vehicles, and they really don't like solar. So it's no surprise. And our Secretary of, of Transportation went on to say that Trump's proposed rollback ranks as one of the most significant regulatory reforms that this administration is undertaking. And the whole room erupted into applause. I mean, you know, she's preaching to the choir. It's no surprise. So, here's where we're at. The Trump administration is trying to make our cars less efficient so oil companies sell more gas, make more money. 
They're also trying to curb the use of EVs. And, you know, that that's just not this. We just talked about a few little things here. But they're fighting EVs in every possible way they can. They're trying to talk service stations out of putting in charging stations. They're, they're fighting efforts by utilities. Um, you know, not, not always a fr- generally the friend of the solar industry in terms of utility scale solar, but they're trying to fight utilities for making it easier to put in charging stations all over. Why? Because a charging station is going to substitute for a gas station in 10 years. So it's bad for consumers. This rollback is bad for the environment. It's bad for car companies. So what can we do? You know, we could just hope that this doesn't go through Congress, but we can support politicians who support the transition to clean energy, and we can take advantage of the EV tax credits and solar tax credits now. Really hope that they're not going to be repealed. I'm hopeful, and I expect that with more of a balanced government next year, we've got Democrats in charge of House and we've um, Republicans in charge of the Senate, that we're not going to see so many really bad things happen. But the administration, the president have a lot of power to kind of change these rules without any kind of legislative input. Anyway, that's all the time we have in this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. 